Hi, I'm Jake Parker, and this is my podcast, Beyond Fit. My goal is to help you live a happier and healthier life by providing actionable knowledge and advice about a wide range of health and fitness topics. You can find me most active on Instagram at jakeparker.fit if you want to connect or just see what I'm up to. Hey guys, this is Jake. So today on the podcast, you're going to hear a friend of mine, Scott Herman. Scott, I originally found when looking for tutorials on different exercises. There was a period back when I was getting into all the evidence-based, science-based training that I really needed a lot of help with certain exercises. And Scott's videos were super helpful and he's someone who time and time again, I find he has great tutorials on his YouTube for how to do different exercises. Nowadays, like we mentioned, he's much more focused on the day-to-day of his training. And we talked about that. We talked about just developing your physique, how to go about switching your training routine, what the different training methodologies that we both use are. And I think you're gonna get a lot of use out of this podcast. I think that Scott's a really smart guy. I was happy to have him on. He's a great guy. He's got a great following, and it was fun to trade notes. You can definitely tell by this interview that he's very committed to his goal of just helping people get in better shape and feel happier because of it. Hi, guys. This is Jake Parker back on the Beyond Fit podcast. My guest today is Scott Herman. If you have never heard the name, he is a mainly, I know him as a YouTuber. You got a a, a big YouTube channel and have put out a lot of great content. Specifically, I know you from tons of tutorials that you put out. Um, I don't know exactly when when that was, but it was was, um, a while ago that a lot of these core videos, like exercise tutorials and exercise technique sort of videos were put out. And now you're more focused on, it seems like on the day-to-day, focusing on your community and more niche topics. But I guess I was just curious how you got started on this whole path, the YouTube influencer sort of path, if you want to put that broad umbrella over it, and sort of what your goals are looking like now compared to when you started putting all those videos out. Well, hey, Jake, thanks for having me on the podcast, man. And yeah, it's uh, it's been a long time. I started my YouTube channel back in 2009, so it's been it's been a it's been a lot of YouTube time. Mm. Back then, nobody even nobody even knew that YouTube was a thing or that it could be a thing. They just thought I was you know some self-absorbed dude filming himself in the gym. Mm. <laughs> and that was kind of the stigma I had to push through back then. But um, you know, obviously, it was all worth it. It all worked out for me because. I get to do what I love. I get to help people and I get to, you know, be creative with one of my passions, which is fitness. So I started, I started my YouTube channel back in 2009 because I, I wanted to find a way to, to reconnect with fitness. Um, I had taken a, I wouldn't really say, I don't know if break is the right word, but Mm -hmm. I was just got off the real world Brooklyn in New York city and I was living in an apartment at the time, and I, I had basically worked in the gym my since I was 14 up until I was 23 and went on the show. So then when I went on the show and then I went to 
live in the city, I was no longer working in a gym. I was still exercising, but I wasn't really mm-hmm. connecting with people. I mean, I had been a personal trainer since I was 18, worked in the gym since I was 14, was always around people, always in the gym. And then that was just kind of like gone for about mm-hmm. a year and a half. And so I thought I, YouTube had just come out. Well, I had been out for a while, but it was starting to get some popularity. And I just kind of was like, well, maybe I can reconnect and share some of my fitness advice on YouTube and talk to people and help people and kind of reconnect with, you know, obviously something that I was very passionate about. And that was essentially how the YouTube channel got started. Yeah. It's, I think that when you talk about kind of taking a break, but like you never really fully took time off from exercising. I think the great thing about people like you and I who just make fitness a part of who we are and a part of your, your daily routine, even, even if it whacks and wanes and there's times when you're not going as hard in the gym or, you know, going as often, it still remains a constant. And for me, especially, it's always been one of those things that I need just to clear my head, just to have as one of those complete staples in my life. And I'm sure that you've always felt that way too. Oh yeah, 100%. I mean, when I first started exercising when I was a kid, that's what it was for me. It was an escape. You know, I mm-hmm. could just turn the music on, kind of turn my brain off and escape and just do an activity that allowed me to work on myself and better myself. Definitely. So what was that uh, experience like going and being on the real world after working, you know, as your, as a personal trainer, very young to start being a personal trainer at 14, by the way. Well, no, no, no. I, I started working in a gym when I was 14. Oh, I, was, I see. I see. I was doing, um, I was doing maintenance, uh, like cleaning and fixing all the equipment and mm, just wanting to be in the my, gym environment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I kind of worked my way up to front desk and then once I became 18, cause you have to be 18 and take your test. Right. Okay. You know, okay. Once I became 18, I took my test and um, then I continued to work as a trainer. I mean, I was obviously still working with people before mm-hmm. I was eight, I was 18 years old, but I couldn't become a, a trainer officially until I was 18. Yeah. That's the thing. That's, that's the thing that's kind of funny about the, the whole personal training, like certification route, because I've always kind of had a problem with the fact that yeah, personal training certifications, they definitely do mean something and you have to have a certain amount of knowledge to pass them. But what I don't think they take into account is just 10 years experience in a gym is is a world's worth of knowledge and actually understanding how this stuff applies to people rather than just the intellectual like textbook type knowledge. I think there's a big divide there. Yeah. And sometimes people fall victim to what's like, well, for example, um, and we'll probably touch on this a little later. I mean, everything on YouTube right now is, you know, people just want to reference studies in all mm-hmm. their videos. Like mm-hmm. this study says this, and this study says this, this study says this. And, you know, studies can be, the data that comes out of a study can be manipulated to have an outcome that you want, you know, as long as you mess with the right variables. And um, I was actually going to put out a video today once I get it edited, but I recently started going back to, to bro split training. Mm-hmm. And that's what I used to train with all the time, you know, growing up. I love it. You know, chest and triceps, back and biceps, shoulders and traps, mm-hmm. you know, leg day, arm day, whatever you wanted to call it. Basically one, one to two body pots per day that you're training. And I had switched to full body training, um, you know, at the start of the year, pretty much mm-hmm. because I had just moved to Florida about two years ago took me a while to get into my house because we had a ton of delays, which was a mm-hmm. whole other story. Um, 
but I wanted to jump on a program that would allow me to kind of get back on track to where I used to be and full bodies seem to be the best option because you're hitting everything multiple times a week, you know? Um, but there's a lot of data out there that suggests that in general, full body training is going to help you build the most amount of muscle and is like mm-hmm. you know, one of the better ways to train and programs like bro splits where you're training one to two body parts per workout are not as effective because you um you know you're only hitting that body pot once per week mm-hmm. depending on your workout program and then i just started realizing with the the full body training after training with it for about six or seven months um that i just wasn't really getting as much out of the workouts anymore mm-hmm. and i found myself getting kind of bored with the workouts too and then i just started thinking to myself you know why why am i not getting that same feeling anymore you know, from these workouts, because they are still pretty intense. And a lot of the data and research suggests that you only need like, like 15 to 20 working sets per per muscle group per week Mm -hmm. in order to maximize how much muscle you build and everything over that is junk volume. And that might be true. But that also might be true for somebody who's not an advanced lifter. And yeah. I had this thought, I was like, you know, I've been, when I used to train all the time, you know, back when I didn't have anything else to do, but go to the gym, even though I was doing a bro split, I was always constantly doing supersets and drop sets. And mm-hmm. I was increasing my, my training volume threshold all the time with how many sets and reps I was doing per body pot while in the gym. And then yeah, I thought, I'm sure you know, far beyond the 15, 20 range, I'm sure. Oh yeah, way, way, yeah, way far, far beyond that. And, you know, so junk volume essentially is, you know, there's a point to where you do so many sets and reps where, you know, now you're eating into your recovery time because you're, you're working the muscle too much. And at the same time, that threshold increases the more advanced the lifter you become Mm -hmm. or the more you train. And I'm like, you know what, you know, maybe, maybe because my body, you know, had to get back to the level it was at before the move. That's why the full body workout routines are working out so well for me. But now I'm like, I need to go hit three or four exercises for chest or three or four exercises for triceps and include Mm -hmm. drop sets and supersets in these things because my muscles, you know, they, they're, they're advanced, you know, they're, mm-hmm. they're not a newbie lifter. They're not somebody who's only worked out for, you know, a few years and, and yeah. even further than, further than that. And I talk about this in my video, you know, some of these studies are like, Oh, we take athletes who have trained for four to five years or five to six years. I mean, you can, you can call anybody an athlete, anybody who goes to the gym for like two years, you mm-hmm. can technically say they're an athlete, you know? So it's, when I read that and, and see athlete, maybe in my head, I'm thinking, oh, wow, they got an athlete for four to five years. This, they must be some pretty serious training people. Mm-hmm. But then you have to remember, you know, they're participating in a study. So they're probably not, you know, an extreme athlete because they would put their name there if they, if they actually were. But I mean, I, how many people in your gym have been going to the gym for four to five years and haven't made any changes? Right. Right. No, I mean, that's like the most common thing you see. Like, honestly, that's that's kind of funny that you say that, because the biggest reason why I have this podcast now and try to start a platform for myself was because I kind of like you, I, I started lifting and really being into lifting weights at around 14. And what 
basically happened with me is that I spent seven or eight years until there was kind of a light bulb moment at about 21 or 22 when I really found out about the evidence science-based side compared to like the bro style training that I was always being fed in like magazines and like most stuff you'd find on the internet. Cause when you talk about like, you know, 2009, when you, when you put out your YouTube channel, uh, that was definitely seems like the time when it was like very prevalent of like bodybuilding.com forums and stuff like that, that you'd go and you'd hear all this bro type stuff and it never really resonated with me. And so I kind of, I was just really spinning my wheels cause I was that person that I'd go and I would be switching programs all the time. And I would not really understand like the balance of macronutrients and the key staples of a diet. It was like, oh, I know I should eat a lot of protein. So what exactly does that mean? I never thought about it in terms of like grams or like I said, balancing macros. And then I just, you know, I go and read, oh, do this workout to blast your arms. And I think that that was everything. But what I wish I would have realized from the start is just having that foundation down of doing compound exercises having some sort of method to track your macros and a lot of that type of stuff that I would just put into the broad umbrella of like evidence-based science-based stuff that we know works stuff that's not all broy and just be it is funny though because like we said there's such a fine balance between what the study says and then what you can observe from people that have actually made progress in the gym but for me there was this big light bulb moment probably three or four years ago where I finally started to understand all the ways I was going wrong. And it wasn't, I wouldn't allow myself anymore to just say, Oh, I'm doomed because of my genetics. You know, I can never be big. That wasn't true. It was just, I wasn't figuring out the right principles to try to implement on a, on a regular basis to really make gains. Yeah. And I can agree with that. And it's almost like now there's so much science-based evidence, especially on YouTube where now people are getting confused again. Yeah, it's because... kind of like it's kind of like the the like the flip side of like so ten years ago you say that bro science was maybe the most prevalent thing, whereas now it's like the the scientific, the data, the the study is the really prevalent thing. And I think that the balance is probably somewhere in between the two, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. And so it'll kind of wrap up the point I was making earlier about, you know, the junk volume and, mm-hmm. and these these studies. You know, if you got a you got an athlete, you know, quotation mark hands I'm doing, you have an athlete who's been training for four or five years and you put them on uh well they what they usually do is obviously they create two groups. They have one group that does like the full body type training, you know, and one body, one group that does the bro split type training and they see who grows the fastest, you know, based on, you know, six to eight principles or something like that. But if, if even all those people in that group, yeah, maybe they've been training for four to five years, but maybe they don't train as intensely as I did my entire life, which is, mm-hmm. like I said, I, mean, I worked in a gym. I was training all the time. So I have to remember that I'm, I'm kind of on a different level than certain people. So my junk volume threshold, in order for me to get a better workout in, is a lot higher. So my body is, I feel like it, it was in its best conditioning way back then when I would just go to the gym and I would hammer, you know, like one to two muscle groups per workout for like an hour and a half. Then I would train abs and do some cardio and then that would be it. And to basically reduce that, let's say I was doing like 45, 60 sets per, per body pat for my big ones, like my chest mm-hmm. and my back and my legs to then reduce that down to 20 and think that I'm going to get this, the same results. It doesn't really make sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I was. I was actually. So, oh, sorry. Go ahead. 
Well, I was just going to say, but I was like, but then you read these studies where they're like, you know, 15 to 20 working sets per week is all you need. And I was like, well, you know, maybe for those people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I was curious to talk to you about the full body versus bro split because I, I had followed uh, you talking about that sort of stuff on your YouTube channel. And I also just because kind of like we've touched on full body is kind of one of the hot things right now. If you if you follow like the the lifting community. Uh, just in the broad spectrum, but I have also been trying probably since about beginning of the year, like you doing a full body split. And what I found with it is that, so the rationale or like the biggest pull from, you know, when people talk about the full body split is that you can like basically give more effort to each certain body part every day. So if you do, for example, like rows for your back bench for your uh, for your chest and then squats, that's three different body parts. And so hypothetically, you can give a little bit more effort towards each specific uh, body part. But where, where I started to fall off and where I found the biggest problem with it is that I don't think that I was really tracking how much volume I was doing as closely as I would with the bro split, because there would be like, kind of like you touched on specific things that you know, you would do every week when you're doing a bro split, whereas full body, for me, the focus was more on, okay, I got to hit three or four different body parts for full body training. And so that would vary so much that my volume would kind of be up and down. And I just didn't see it as being quite as consistent as a bro split where you know exactly what the outcome is on a certain day of the week. Yeah, I can understand that for sure. Also too, it takes longer, you know, Mm -hmm. in some cases to do the full body and that can also, you know, be another, another, well, that was another thing that I was thinking about because with the amount of volume that I like to do for me to get that kind of volume. So let's say for example, that for me personally to grow, you know, I need to do, I need to do more sets and reps just because I've been training for so long and, and my muscles are a bit more advanced than the average person in these studies. So it's like, okay, let's say for me, maybe I need to do, you know, 10 sets per, per body, per body pot per workout. And now you apply that to a full body training program. I mean, the gym for like three hours. Mm-hmm. Right. And one thing I did like though, talking about full body is, you know, cause I was doing about five to maybe six sets on my exercises on my full body program, you know, for my heavy compounds, like say bench, I would do mm-hmm. five, to six. Um, and if I wanted to throw in something for triceps, I would probably do like three to four. Okay. Cause I'm already hitting, if I'm hit, if I'm doing a compound like bench, I'm obviously already hitting the triceps. So when I go do a tricep mm-hmm. exercise later in the workout, then I can kind of reduce the amount of sets I'm doing. Cause I've already hit the muscle, but you know, you're, you're in the gym and you're trying to do this full body workout, you know, four or five days a week. Um, it's one of the good things about only having to do five or six sets of bench is you can kind of push yourself a little harder on that mm-hmm. because then once it's, once it's done, then you know that you're not hitting that muscle group anymore. So it's almost like a, a mental cue to train a bit harder and then move on to the next exercise. And I did mm-hmm. like that aspect of it, especially like with, with squatting, for example, you know, on leg day for a bro split, it's like you squat and then you leg press and you leg extension and then you leg curl. And it's like, we don't really like training legs. You know, it, 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 it's, it's, it's brutal. Uh, it's brutal. Yeah, exactly. 
but at a full body program, you know, you hit squat and then you're done. You move on to, you know, a bent over row. And then mm-hmm. maybe later you go hit a leg extension. You don't have to just, you know, destroy your legs the entire time you're there. So, I mean, there, it's like a mental game, you know, how to mm-hmm. keep yourself motivated within the gym and doing the same exercises you've been doing, you know, your entire life. Yeah. The other thing that I noticed the most with full body is like, it got kind of taxing to just like, so I, if I'm going to do a squat and a bench, for example, I want to do pretty extensive warm up for my upper body and lower body. And so that starts to kind of take its toll too. If I want to take 10 minutes to warm up, get ready for bench and 10 minutes to warm up my lower body and get ready for squats, well, that's 20 minutes right there. We kind of talked about the time aspect. Whereas if you're just doing uh, like chest and triceps, for example, then your bench is pretty much going to do all that you need as far as warming up your triceps for like a, an extension or something like that. You're going to be ready to go. Yeah, exactly. So, and, and when you think about these sideline principles, which, you know, these are things you only know and realize from years of training experience, you know, versus just a study where they took, you know, five dudes and had one guy hit his chest Monday, Wednesday, Friday, mm-hmm. and one guy hit his chest on Monday. And they kind of record the data and they're like, oh, this is the solution. Um, this is, this is all the factual data you need. And you know, a lot of, there's a lot of channels on YouTube right now. I mean, granted, scientific data is super important, but mm-hmm. they, they just kind of lay it all out and they just use these studies and then they're like, okay, you know, I'm, this subject is done now because now that I've reported the science, that's all there is to it. And anything anybody else says is wrong. And that's what, mm-hmm. you know, the people watching the videos think. And you see it in the comment section. They'll be like, oh, well, so-and-so did this study where blah, 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 blah. It's like, well, no. Um, so-and-so just cherry pick studies that prove this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With all the information out there, you could, I, you could put together any logical conclusion based on, oh, this study says this and this study says this. Well, there's hundreds of studies out there that say different things. And it comes down to, you know, do you look at the correlation and causation? Do you look at what sort of factors are important to you? If someone has you know, hypothetically, all the time their day to devoted to like getting the most out of their workout or doing the most optimal workout. That's different from the person who's busy and has a life and a job and has one hour and wants to maximize that. And I think that goes to another important point. Like one of the things I like to talk about the show talk about on the show the most is just how does adherence and compliance factor into a workout program? as far as enjoying it, as far as it being accessible. So like being able to do it quickly, if that's important to you, it's just like, there's lots of things that, so say something is 80% as effective, let's say for example, and I don't necessarily agree with this, but for an example, like a bro split turns out to be scientifically 80% um, as effective as a full body split. Well, if you factor in someone has more of a time constraint or really enjoys the pump of a bro split and really enjoys like that mental aspect of getting after it and it's going to keep them coming back to the gym day after day, well, that's better for them because it gets them pumped up and it's something that they feel like they can accomplish every day. Oh, yeah, 100%, right? It's all about if you're going to actually do the work and if you're getting excited, if you're not excited about your workout program anymore, you're not going to be pushing yourself as hard as you Mm -hmm. can on, you know, those last few reps and those last few sets. And, you know, therefore makes the workout program not as effective. You're a hundred percent correct on that. Definitely. It's all about what, what you want to do. It makes, it makes you happy. And, you know, when people say full body is better than bro splits, they, they're mainly talking in terms of like overall growth, like growing Mm -hmm. faster. Well, if you're already kind of, you know, been training for a while and you like your physique and there's just certain areas you want to work on, 
then it doesn't really matter how much faster you're growing. Like if you're mm -hmm. not a, like me, for example, I mean, the body pots that I want to work on the most are like my traps and my caps. So there's no reason why I can't incorporate like power shrugs on a different day than my shoulders and traps day. If I want to start to see a bit more growth there, like I could easily do chest and triceps and then throw in some shrugs at the end. If I wanted to hit some multiple growth windows on my mm -hmm. traps throughout the week. So then it becomes this game of like, okay, if I want to work on a lagging body pot, I can just pick, you know, one specific area to work on for four to six weeks and then switch to another area after that. And then mm -hmm. I'm still able to, to progress. Yeah. And it does make intuitive sense too. What's coming to mind for me now is like, if, if someone was say I had a friend who had never really lifted weights and was like really, you know, pretty skinny and was like, I, I want to put on some muscle, put on some weight. I, I would probably say like, okay, we'll do a, do a full body where you're doing a lot of compound squatting and benching and, I wouldn't worry so much about doing like bicep curls or tricep extensions or anything specific to small body parts because if you, if the body has tons of room just to grow overall, it's going to do that by just hitting those big compounds and doing them often and trying to get stronger because that's another thing is people like you and me, if you've been lifting weights for 10 years or more, you're not really noticing noticeable strength gains or it's not like your bench is going to go up 20 pounds in a month unless you're doing something really radical. So you have to factor in different sort of things to, again, just keep yourself interested. Yeah, exactly. And people forget that, you know, because they see a lot of gains in the very beginning. Obviously, mm -hmm. you see a lot of strength gains, a lot of muscle gains. But then it gets to a point where there's a fork in the road. And it's like, okay, do you want to work on strength or do you want to work on building muscle? Because there's two different ways of training in order to do that. So if you're trying to get a, a 315 bench, you know, maybe doing four sets of eight to 10 repetitions isn't going to get you there. You know, mm -hmm. you need to switch to more of a, of a power routine where you're doing, you know, maybe five sets and you're varying the amount of reps you're doing per set so that your body starts getting used to lifting heavier weights. And unfortunately, most people don't want to hear that because they see their friends in the gym getting super strong on bro splits, but they don't realize that they're usually on PEDs. <laughs> mm -hmm. that's true too that's that's a thing that people conveniently like to forget about yeah you know and a lot of times you know especially on youtube and you know you get all these young guys jumping on that have the muscle maturity of somebody in their 30s and they're like 18 mm -hmm. and they're like oh i'm natural i just do this split here you can pay money and buy it mm -hmm. and, well yeah you know and i used to kind of laugh it off but now now it's a problem because so many people are, whether they choose to be ignorant to it or they just are ignorant, they believe it, you know, and a lot of times we choose to be ignorant because we want to believe it's possible because we want to get the same results. And so that's why kind of like when you mentioned earlier, I'm doing, you know, a lot of niche videos now. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, now, you know, I've built this amazing thing on YouTube, you know, for the last 10, 11 years. And now I see the directions it's going and I'm not happy with it. And so mm -hmm. I'm kind of pick, you know, I am picking on people and I'm like, Hey, this information is wrong. It's garbage. You need to, you know, mm -hmm. you have people watching you, millions of people watching your videos, just like I do. So you need to make sure that information is on point because somebody's mm -hmm. going to get hurt. They're going to waste their time. Um, you know, victims of, of people who, who watch these videos, who, you know, they don't know better, mm -hmm. then they, they take your advice and then they go waste six months of their life. And then maybe yeah. they quit training because, you know, they didn't see any results. Mm -hmm. And the thing I, 
on like a positive note about social media, the thing I love about it is like, if you do follow people who are actually grounded in principles that have been proven or things that are like the big rocks, so to speak, that are, that are the most important things that they're focusing on. There's a lot of ways to skin a cat, just like, you know, you've made gains on a full body split and a bro split. But I think, so I think that's the positive aspect of social media. You can see a lot of different ways that a lot of people can have success, but when someone goes and just completely puts out stuff that is like pseudoscience or like, you know, it's like, you didn't do that for yourself to, to make these gains. You had this other factor like steroids or oftentimes is what it is. And that's where it becomes harmful. If someone's saying, this is what I did to get X result. And it's just completely not true. Oh, 100% because you're, you're setting a false narrative for people and they're going to start following your advice because they want to look like you. And then it just, they come to realize like, I'm just spinning my wheels because a lot of the times on YouTube, people are just making up BS because they've run out of ideas. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's kind of funny. Cause it reminds me of like, I mentioned like the bodybuilding.com forum days where for me being like a, a 15 or 16 year old kid trying to look online for, you know, how to gain more muscle and stuff like that. I'd stumble across like, Oh, should you eat, you know, like sweet potatoes or white potatoes? And I'd, I'd be reading all this stuff. And it's like, that's just the last two or 3% of importance as far as stuff you should be paying attention to. But getting focused on these really specific details can seem important when someone who you admire and look up to is, is trying to push like, this is the narrative that this is how I got jacked because I ate this food or something like people it's, it's, it's too bad that it's not more intuitive that like, Oh, you know, people should know that just doing one single exercise is not what got this person jacked or just eating this one certain superfood is not what got him jacked. It's, it's, it's accumulation of principles. Yeah. You know, it seemed a lot easier to get in shape when you didn't have to think about as many things, mm -hmm. <laughs> but people love I, to, I mean, if you talk about like viewership on a YouTube video, if someone goes eat this one food to get jacked, well, that's of course going to get a lot of clicks. People want to hear something like that, but that's just not reality. Oh, 100%. And it sucks that YouTube has gone in this direction because, you know, back in the day it was really easy in terms of content creation because I could literally just kind of make a video and then make the title about what the video is about. Mm -hmm. Now I have to be so tactful with my titles and my thumbnails and almost to trick people to watch because there's so much garbage on YouTube and, and so mm -hmm. much, so many clickbaity things like that. It's like they know that it's bullshit, but they still want to click it and watch it because they're hoping there's going to be a, a, a hidden gem in that video mm -hmm. that's going to give them the edge on, on other people. <laughs> it's just like, it's like how many, how many videos can you make on the best bicep curls? You know, mm -hmm. it's maddening. Well, it's kind of like understanding human emotions too. Like, of course, on a base level, we all would like to believe like how convenient would that be if there was one food that you could eat to get jacked? Like we want to believe something like that, but it's just, it's, it's hard when people that are in great shape try to push things like that that are so far from reality. And I think that that's, it's hard because I see where you're coming from too. Like you want to get viewership to your videos because you have things to say that are backed by your experience and backed by science and that really work and that are true. And so you're competing with these people. And so I, I listened to, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of the podcast, Mind Pump. They're out in California, but a lot of times they'll talk about the balance of like, they're very much scientifically based and like truthful and honest, but they're like, we got to do some stuff as far as titles and things that are clickbaity 
because we have to compete with all those people out there that are saying clickbaity things and, and they're just spewing bullshit. Whereas maybe we use the clickbaity stuff to get people in and say, here's the real science. Here's what you really need to be focused on because it's a competition still to an extent. No, and I, and I agree with you. And you know, my videos recently calling people out in their bullshit have been getting a lot of views and a ton of likes, mm -hmm. but some of my, some of my subscribers who have been around for a while, you know, they're like, Oh, you know, this is unbecoming of you. Why are you attacking other people, you know, for views and blah, 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 blah. And I respond to them and I'm like, listen, first of all, I'm not attacking somebody for views. These people are literally scamming you mm -hmm. to make money and sell their products. So that's like, it just, it blows my mind that people, people feel the need to protect somebody who's literally scamming them. Like, well, don't be, don't be mean. Cause it's not nice to be mean. It's like, mm -hmm. it's, it's like, okay. When I'm walking down the street and I see a, a, a thug, you know, robbing you and stabbing you for your wallet and your money, I'm just going to, I'm just going to not help you because the, the, the robber needs money to like buy food to eat. Right. That's mm -hmm. basically the same principle that you're making here just ignore it and stay in your lane. And they're like, Oh, well, that's not what I meant. I'm like, that's exactly what you meant because it's really easy to not have a backbone and to keep your mouth shut and be obedient. And mm -hmm. it's really hard to actually have a bit of courage to call somebody out on their bullshit, you know, and then deal with the backlash. That's the difference between me and you. That's why I tell these people. And I'm like, you know, you've been subscribed to me for a very long time. Like you say you have, then you know that there's always educational principles in my videos and in videos mm -hmm. where I go after somebody and I, and I attack, you know, some information they're putting out, I don't just do that and then end the video. I then give the correct information and I explain why it's, why it's wrong. And then I'm like, mm -hmm. I try to hold these people accountable because they're basically in this, this, this lane where they just want to create content. So they come up with a bullshit idea and then they, they surround that idea by a bunch of, you know, um, I, I, I maybe acting is the right word where they try mm -hmm. to act a certain way to make that idea seem better than what it is. And then the whole video is kind of just based around a lie, but people see, you know, maybe the editing is really good. Maybe the person has a really, you know, out there personality that's fun to watch. And so then all of a sudden the information becomes factual just because, you know, you're entertained for five minutes. Yeah. And it's, it's not like, like you just, it's not like you just don't like these people as a person. Like it's, you, you, you see why you see why they're doing something negative and you see that they're leading people in the wrong direction. And I really liked your point earlier when you said like, maybe, maybe some people don't see it as a big deal. Like you said, people that are commenting this stuff to you, but I liked your point when you said like, well, what if someone follows what this person is saying for six months and they see no results and then they just give up on training? Like it really can be something where it can impact someone for their whole life with, with something like this. Yeah. You know, and I just did a video, um, on alpha M cause he put out like a glute oh, training yeah. video. All right. Mm -hmm. And I saw his glute training video. He's basically like, Oh, you want your glutes to look better. You need to do a hundred, do a hundred air squats a day and a hundred lunges or something like that. What? And, yeah. And I'm like, these exercises are, are quad dominant exercises. So why are you telling them it's going to increase their, the size of their glutes, you know? And so I'm like, well, let me see if he's done videos like this before. And then I found two other videos, one in 2017 and one in 2015, where he gave the same exact information, mm -hmm. squats and lunges. And what I also noticed in those videos is that they were packaged around an ad. So the most right, recent one was, was packaged around a belt because it was seven tips to make your glutes look better. 
And it was like two bullshit exercise tips, you know, squat and lunge. And then it was like, buy this belt for seven minutes mm, mm-hmm. because it holds your, it holds your pants up. And if your pants are sitting in the right um, spot, it makes your butt look better. Yeah, of course. And, of course. Yeah. And my point was, is I'm like, this dude is in shape. He has a program on bodybuilding.com just like I do. So he couldn't spend an extra five minutes and do some research and realize that hip barbell hip thrusts and glute bridges are better for you than squatting and lunging. And it's what like, it, it's it also blows like, my mind. It's also like, to me, is it like, does that, does that guy really have such low respect for himself? Like that is, does he know that he's, I mean, you'd think that if he's had so much experience in working out himself, you'd think he would even know that he's pushing misinformation. And so like, is it, is it, is he really that ignorant or is he just purposely pushing false information, which both are sad, but the latter is just like, come on, man, like have some respect for yourself. Yeah, I agree. But then again, it's because at this point, channels like his are more about pushing ads. And Mm -hmm. a lot of the comments I got on my video were from people who were like, yeah, I unsubscribed from him because his, his videos became all about selling a product. And that's a common um, variable I'm finding now in the, in these people that I'm exposing is, you know, their subscribers, they, they tell me like, I used to only come here for good information, but then it became about an ad, you know, a video is eight minutes long and you get a five minute ad in the, in the middle for some product they're pushing. So it's, it's a, it's a ad sandwich at that point. There's a little mm-hmm. bit of information in the beginning, then an ad, then a little information at the end. Mm-hmm. So back to kind of what we were talking about at the beginning, I'm curious, like what got you interested in fitness in the beginning, like when you were a teenager and if that's still true now, like, was it just a product of you love the way that lifting and working out makes you feel like you said it was an escape or was there people that you looked up to that were like your role models in the space? How did you get into it? And then what was it like transitioning back into trying to help people with your YouTube channel when you said about the age of like 23? Yeah. So, I mean, I essentially got into lifting because I was very introverted as a kid, you know, and kind of, kind of bullied at school. I had friends, but I wasn't super popular because I was so quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of was like, you know what, I'm tired of getting picked on. I mean, this is when I'm like really young. This is like 12 mm-hmm. years old. You know, I'm tired of getting picked on. Um, and I, I idolize superheroes and comic books. And I was like, you know what? Um, Captain America or Superman, you know, they, they were selfless people. And one of the things I always noticed the most when I would get picked on is that nobody was helping me. I'm like, how come nobody sees this as wrong and is, and is helping me? Why is everybody just standing there and watching, you know? And at that age, when you're reading comic books and you see, you know, people being mugged or attacked and then Captain America shows up, you know, some random person who doesn't even know these people and he, he's there to save the day and, and help. I was like, you know what? I want to be like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. when you're, when you're that age, you know, you, that's how you get inspired. You know, you're mm-hmm. a kid, yeah, you're, you're ignorant to the world. Yeah. And so I'm like, you know what? Nobody's, nobody's showing up to help me. I don't like how that feels. So I'm going to become that person so I can show up and help other people. And then I'm like, well, you know what? These guys are pretty jacked. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm probably going to start working out <laughs> if I want to emulate mm-hmm. that. And, and that was kind of like the guiding principle when I was a kid is I just, I wanted to be able to, you know, be strong enough to protect myself and my, and my friends and my family. And that was enough for me at that age to, to really take it to a, to a level of, you know, dedication that 
I was able to train, you know, five, six days a week, you know, even in, in the beginning when it was just, you know, my dad's old weight set in my basement, you know, I'd be down there benching every day, mm-hmm. you know, because I didn't know any better. Right, and it's yeah. almost like, you know, you kind of miss that, um, that feeling of bliss of, of not really knowing what you're doing, but you're just yeah, down there doing it. Cause now it's like, you know, when you walk in a gym, you know, you start kind of looking at all the equipment and you start calculating like how many reps you're going to do here, what exercise mm-hmm. you're going to do there. And it's like, now it's almost, it's like a whole process where before, you know, I would just walk downstairs in my basement, turn on the light, put on some music and I would just do stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, you know you what? I missed kind of just do it until you, you couldn't do it anymore, you know? Yeah. And I missed that. And I feel like that was the most pure form of, of exercise, you know, for probably for a lot of us. Um, but then obviously as, as things progressed, so that was like when I was 12 and then, you know, when I was 14 years old, I, I just started working at a gym, just, you know, doing maintenance on the weekends for a free membership. So I would basically clean, you know, like all the equipment for three hours on a Saturday and it gave me a free membership for the week. And I did that, you know, all through 14, 15, 16, I started working as, you know, a front desk manager. And that whole time, the passion was still there for fitness and also working in a gym and being there, you know, every single day also made it a lot easier because Mm -hmm. it's almost like while I was there, you know, cleaning and organizing everything and seeing everybody else getting, you know, working out and training hard, I'm like, oh, you know, two more hours until I can stop work and train or one more hour until... I'm done work and I can train, you know, and it was like this buildup of excitement to, it's very inspiring to to have an environment like that. Yeah, exactly. And I'll tell you what, you know, now that I do everything from home and I have my own home gym, that's kind of what I miss the most, Mm -hmm. you know, is that, that, that built up of excitement or being in that environment all day. Like that was so motivating to me. And, you know, for now, especially with this COVID situation, you know, my house is my house, my office, my gym, Mm -hmm. it's like everything in one place. And it's like the lines just kind of blur together. And so that's another reason why I'm trying to change up, you know, my training, because if I think back to when I enjoyed fitness the most, it was when I was doing, you know, the bro split type training. And Mm -hmm. that's when I had the most fun. Like, well, you know what, maybe I just need to come kind of take a step back and go back to those days where I just blast the music and I just train yeah. until I'm done. Yeah. And that's like going, going back to like the, you know, science versus anecdotal discussion. I, I don't, I'm sure that maybe you could work out some sort of a study, some sort of a scientific study that proves this, but like, I can tell you for sure, I can lift just a little bit more weight in a crowded gym as opposed to just alone in, in a basement or, you know, a, a little space that I'm just by myself for sure. It's inspiring to be around other people. And so I'm sure that seeing people lifting every day at the gym and especially like seeing guys that are in really good shape and try to kind of internalizing what they do is really inspiring for you as a, as a young kid. Oh yeah, 100%. And it's just motivation. It's really what it comes down to. You, you, you feed off of that energy. You feed off yeah, of all sure. that, you know, raw energy in the gym. And I mean, energy is real. I mean, you can, you know, people say things like I have a bad feeling about this, or mm-hmm. I have a good feeling about that all the time. And it's like, well, those feelings are based on the energy you're picking up around you. So if you're in a gym full of people, you know, training their butts off, then you're going to pick up on that energy and you're going to train hard too. 
Mm-hmm. And it's like, I've heard it a lot of times and I definitely feel like it's true in my own life when they say that you're the accumulation of the five people you spend the most time around. And so I think that that's a good lesson to just try to remember to spend time around positive people and be careful not to hang around people that gossip and speak negatively and have only bad things to say, because then that starts to become like your worldview. But a gym environment is great because oftentimes like well, of course, people are just going there to improve themselves, improve their bodies, focus on getting better. And that is another a big reason why I love the gym is because I think you should carry a gym mindset towards every part of life in that respect. Yeah, I think that's a great way to think. For sure. All right. Well, we're, uh, we're running close on time here. So I'm just curious, uh, what are what are some of your immediate goals? And as far as going back to the bro split, I've seen you kind of talk about working specific muscles like targeting what you said you know trying to get a little bit more mass on your traps and calves what does that look like as far as if you go specifically towards a certain goal like that when like of course you still have your maybe five day a week bro split but how do you pepper in a little bit more focus on a specific muscle group and how does how does that look in your routine so typically what i like to do is i like to incorporate uh incorporate it as a superset Mm -hmm. um well, you could do it two different ways. So if, let's say I'm having like my, my chest and triceps day, right? Or usually I'll, I always train abs too. So chest, triceps, and abs. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll focus 100% on just hitting my chest during those exercises. And if I'll take like my – if I'm going to have a rest period in between my sets, I'm going to rest and I'm going to focus on increasing the weight. But then when I get to the isolation movement, it's like it doesn't really require that much focus on rest in order right. to continue with it because you're still mainly going for volume. It's not like you're trying to max out a tricep push down, right? So if I'm trying to work on a lagging body pot, a lot of times I'll try to superset, you know, the exercise. So for, for this, it would be shrugs. I would try to superset shrugs with a lot of the tricep exercises that I'm doing Mm -hmm. that way I don't really have to extend my workout another 20 or 30 minutes. Um, and I'm also not impacting, you know, the heavy compound movements where I'm going to see the most growth if I superset with the isolation and depending on how much volume I want to do, you know, I can also then superset those exercises in between with my abdominal exercises because, in my home gym, obviously I have everything I need. So I don't have to worry about running across, you know, a commercial gym to get mm-hmm. to the exercises that I, that I want to do. So, you know, when I train my core, I train abs, I, I still train pretty hard, but you know, no matter what ab exercise I'm doing, you know, while I'm resting, I can still do a set of shrugs, you know, so yeah. that's difficult. <laughs> yeah. so, I, I love that methodology of training too. That's why I love doing I mean, part of part of what's been nice with the full body is doing something like that, where I can work my back in the middle of doing my chest exercise. And I've always loved doing supersets like that too, because it's like, okay, I can let, I can, I love to do calves because I calves always been a weak point for me too. And that's such an easy thing to pepper in between whatever it is, a bicep curl, a, a shoulder press, a, whatever it is, you can, you can work some calf because that's not going to take away much from the other thing that you're doing. Yeah, exactly. And so it's just a matter of understanding your own body and your, in your own limitations and mm-hmm. you know, what's going to affect you. Like, for example, you know, you probably, if you want to work on your abs, probably not a good idea to superset abs in between squatting, you mm-hmm. know, or heavy deadlifting, you know? So, 
so you have to understand obviously how the body works and how compound movements, you know, affect your body and what's required to, you know, execute them with, you know, as much intensity as possible. Mm-hmm. But that's why when it gets time for the isolation, you know, then there's a lot more room to play with because you're not relying so much on, you know, overall core strength and, and other supporting muscle groups to, to hit, you know, the isolation type movements. Mm-hmm. And that's why I never like just general prescriptions for like, rep ranges or stuff like that because when you have to look at it like a deadlift rep range is so totally different from a bicep curler because they're just such totally different ways of training like you can't say just oh yeah i'm doing four to six reps on on everything right now it's like well your deadlift and your squat is way different from your leg extension your bicep curl so i think you have to always factor that sort of stuff in but yeah you do have a lot more room to be flexible with those isolations as far as what you're doing supersetting and all that kind of stuff 100%. Yeah, there's definitely exercises where you feed a lot more volume in and nine times out of 10, it's going to be the isolation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, Scott, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. It was fun and uh, I'm glad we got a chat. Yeah, me too, Jake. I had a great time. Thanks for having me on. You bet, man. Uh, You want to let people know how they can uh, go find your YouTube channel anywhere else where you're active? Yeah, if you guys are looking for videos to help you out with the exercise form or fitness in general, you can check out my YouTube channel, Scott Herman Fitness. Same thing on Instagram, Scott Herman Fitness. And then if you're looking for a new program routine, you know, I mean, I as much as I'm going to be switching back to, to bro splits now, I mean, I still have really good routines on my website, muscularstrength.com. If you want to try full body, if you want to try a push-pull legs, if you want to try an upper-lower split, or maybe you want to hit you know, more of a bro split five day a week bodybuilding routine. You can find all of that on my website, muscularstrength.com. The programs are awesome. You're going to absolutely love them. Cool, man. Well, I'll link to all that and thank you again. Yeah. Thanks, Jake. I'll talk to you soon. Hey guys, it's Jake again. I'd like to ask you if you enjoy the podcast to take a quick second and subscribe and rate the podcast. It really helps me out. And in addition, it'd be great if you would screenshot and share to your story. I'd love to reshare and have a conversation about what you thought about the podcast.